Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? What it do, you beautiful people? My goodness, am I glad to see you. I can't see you, but you can see me. Or you can hear me. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Double dip episode. Oh, I love these. We got, as usual, Judge Andrew Napolitano and a new addition to the Liberty Lockdown family, Gerald Salenti. Holy hell, this guy's funny. <laughs> he's got he's got rants for days. Uh, I would classify him as like a, a Jimmy Dore with a more Austrian lean. He's fun. You're going to really, really enjoy this episode. As always, if you want to uh, become a walking billboard, go to toplobster.com. And if you want to do the AMA with me, I'm actually going to do it this weekend because I'm going to be out of town next week. So I'm going to be stockpiling some episodes. So I'm going to do the AMA either Saturday or Sunday. I hope you guys can tune in for that. All you have to do to become a member of my locals is go to libertylockdown.locals.com. A couple bucks a month allows you to come in on that stream with me and ask whatever you want, talk about whatever you want, uh, you know, whatever's on your mind. I'm, I'm all ears. They're a really good time. And I think I'm going to probably do it Saturday evening, unless you guys are at date nights, in which case maybe Sunday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Let's plan on Saturday night, though. Today's episode. Oh, you know who it is. That's right. THC Hemp Spot. And I know what Shatter is now, so I can actually speak more intelligently on this. This company is owned by a longtime Ron Paulian, one of us, one of our people, bringing some agorist market provisos. I don't even know if that's a word. Like Delta 8 THC, baby. It's good stuff. They have a wide range of products available, smokables, edibles, gummies, candy bars, honey sticks, chewing gum, concentrates, hash, shatter, which I'm going to tell you what it is, even though I'm sure some of you already know, and I'm just a boomer, soft gel capsules, and a variety of vape products. They have free shipping on orders over 100 bucks. The name is THC Hemp Spot, coupon code CLINT, good for 15% off, and just so you know what it is, if you don't know, shatter is a cannabis extract that is so solid and translucent in appearance as if you could shatter it like glass. It achieves its glass-like appearance through specific processing techniques involved, involving solvents like butane or hydrocarbons. Concentrating essential compounds like THC and CBD, shatter offers the benefits of cannabis in a highly concentrated compact form that is popularly dabbed or vaporized. Sounds awesome. Sounds like I would have a panic attack if I touched it. But if you like that stuff, go get it over at thchemspot.com, promo code CLINT. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a live stream edition of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell, and I am thrilled today to have on Gerald Salenti. He is the director of the Trends Research Institute, the best motherfucking journal on the planet, trendsjournal.com. If you haven't signed up yet, you are a piece of garbage. Let's do it, Gerald. How are you? <laughs> Great. Thanks so much. <laughs> no, we give everything we can for the magazine, and it's uh, it began as a weekly back in 1991 excuse me, as a quarterly, it was eight page newsletter. And then it became a monthly and now it's a weekly and it averages 150 pages, no ads. No, you guys put out incredible content. And, and I think that your analysis has been proven better than, than most to say the least. Um, I I'd like to start there actually. What, what are we looking at? I, I I've seen some of your recent, um, predictions or, or analysis and I, I, I have actually come to a similar conclusion that I think that real estate is actually not 
at the the forefront of my concerns. I think basically everything else is, and it seems as if you you align with that. I'd like to dive a little bit deeper as to why you think so. Yeah, on the real estate uh, end, you know, with the prices have gone up so much, you know, over forty percent in the U.S. By the way, they don't. The criminals running the government in Washington, it's a crime syndicate. They don't add the increase of housing prices into the consumer price index. Mm-hmm. You know, they make up crap so they don't have to pay people more in Social Security and they could pretend inflation is down so, you know, the, the gamblers could keep gambling. So as I see it on the real estate and on, the, you know, residential real estate, yeah, prices are going to go down, but it's not going to be the crash that you saw with the panic of 08. There were no subprime mortgages. People basically bought what they could afford in most cases. So yeah, the prices are going to go down, but it's going to be still a lot higher than mm-hmm. where they were. And also you have supply and demand, and there's not a lot of supply. Yep. Bingo. The big crash I see coming in the real estate sector is in commercial business offices. This COVID war, it 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 changed you know, the lives in so many different ways. And one of them is, you know, I don't want to commute an hour and a half on the LIE back and forth or wherever you live. And when they lock down everybody and put them in their homes and they're saying to themselves, God, I can't believe I was doing this every day, you know, getting up at five in the morning. And so remote work is going to be a reality. If people aren't going to go back to the offices the way they were. Maybe they'll go back three days a week. Some won't go back at all. They're moving, you know, it's it's, the, it's a whole new world. So when you go back to 2019, before the COVID war started, you know, this economy was going down. You had over in, in Europe, Germany, you know, the biggest economy in the world, in Europe rather, you know, they were, they were a fraction away from officially going into a recession in 2019, the last quarter. And then you go back to September of 2019. Remember the Federal Reserve pumping all that fake money into the repo markets? Oh, only 17, excuse me, $7 trillion from September 2019 to January 2020. Then you remember all the protests going on around the world, the yellow vests in France. You had uh, protests in Algeria, in, in South Africa, in mm-hmm. Lebanon, in Chile, in Bolivia, in Co- all over the world because of the people protesting about the lack of basic living standards, government corruption, crime, and violence. Now the COVID war begins. They lock down everything. So going back to the office buildings were overbuilt before this happened. Now you have interest rates going up and you have variable loans now you got to pay more on your on your mortgage as you have less people in your office building and those that had 10 floors now I only need 3 floors there's going to be a crash in this sector that is unimaginable and the buildings built over the last 50 years they can't be converted into housing mm-hmm. well i think <clears throat> this is what's interesting to me is like you have to assume that the people that that were propagating the lockdowns uh, upon us, because I don't think the vast majority of us wanted or would have gone along with this, had it not been for the incredible propaganda push that we experienced in 
you know, the first quarter and well, really all of 2020, um, you would think that the bankers have to be on board with this type of stuff. And, and I find it fascinating that, you know, given what you're describing in the commercial real estate market, the, the, the work from home movement that is obviously not going away. You have the fucking New York times scumbags that are walking out, uh, this week because they're so upset. They have to go back to the office, um, and they want to raise, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, why, why would the banks have gone along with this? It seems very, um, counter to their, their wishes, their needs, their desires. They swallow the shit. Hmm. These aren't the brightest cats on the planet. I mean, look at them. You look up to a Jamie Dimon. I mean, how low can you go? <laughs> and so everybody swallowed. It's a, it's a shit swallowing show. And, and they're the, they're the prime sellers of shit, you know, so they believe this crap, you know, they, they, again, you know, it, it, they're the ones that told the people they couldn't come back to work. They're the ones that forced vaccinations on all their employees. Yeah, Heil Hitler, America. Oh, we're going to go to other countries to bring freedom and democracy when we're stealing it from you. Right. This country, how can people be so damn stupid to look up to these little shitheads? How stupid can you be to bow down to a McConnell? To look up to a Lindsey Graham, a little Chucky Schumer, probably with a dick smaller than a fucking cockroach. <laughs> and the people obey these people? What the hell is wrong with them? What the hell is the wrong with the people to obey these little bastards and bitches to be equal? <laughs> It's it's financial human centipede. <laughs> Just Holy <laughs> Christ. What the hell is the matter with people? Hey, I'm Andy Cuomo. I'm an arrogant little daddy's boy. Born on third base and thought I had a home run. Close down your businesses. Hey, but Walmart, you can stay open. And don't forget, stand six feet apart. The wind only blows six feet. Does it go like that or like this? And when you get in an airplane, wear your mask. We can take it off when you're eating, drinking. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know it because the virus doesn't bother me when I'm eating and drinking, right? Yes, sir. Because all we are plantation workers on the global plantation of slave land here. Uh, I think, uh, you know, people might think it's hyperbole, but I think you're pretty goddamn accurate. It's, uh, it's very concerning because, you know, because of the economic downturn that you and I both expect to be, I mean, it's already happening, but should get significantly worse in 2023, um, that they are pushing us towards world war and, and you know, oh, yeah. a, a dual front, potentially world war with Ukraine or, or not Ukraine, but Russia and China. Um, is that their intention? I mean, cause I can't, I can't really get a read on it. They're mentally ill people. They're mentally deranged. Here's an article, this guy, um, I don't know if I have it here, but just doing it the other day, um, this guy Blinken. Oh, yeah, Anthony Blinken. He's an arrogant little boy, an arrogant, another daddy's boy. My daddy was in the government, I was an ambassador, and I went to Dalton, and I went to Harvard. How could you take orders from this little shit? Here's what he says. This is the Wall Street Journal. 
Where are my glasses here? Here we go. Blinken says goal is to push Russia back to pre-war lines. Oh, Blinken said, hey, fuckface, who the hell are you to say anything? Who the hell are you to decide? I'm an American. I don't give a shit what's going on over there. I believe in the founding fathers. I know you hate George Washington. He was a real man. You couldn't fight your way out of a paper bag, but you got an arrogant attitude. George Washington's farewell address do not become involved in any foreign entanglements, particularly in Europe, because basically this shit's been going on for centuries. Anyway, here's what this little shithead says. Quote, our focus, our focus, remember, he means you and me and everybody else. Our focus is on continuing to do what we've been doing, which is to make sure that Ukraine has in its hands what it needs to defend itself. What it needs to push back Russian aggression and take back their territory. Send more weapons of death to keep bloodying the killing fields in a war that Ukraine is going to lose. I have a, a some of one sent it to me, a fan of it's a famous chart of Napoleon's march to Moscow, 1812. He leaves Poland with 420,000 troops. He comes back with 10,000. Once upon a time, not too long ago, there was a thing called World War II. And Germany launched Operation Barbarossa against the Russians. They only killed 25 million, 25 million Russians. Who were the first ones to defeat the, the, the Germans? The Russians. Mm-hmm. This is this this border conflict has been going on for over 300 years between Ukraine and Russia. Again, this is the Trends Journal when it used to be a quarterly spring of 2014. And you can see the picture of the guy over here. And it's an article written by Dr. Paul Craig Roberts, former assistant treasury secretary under Ronald Reagan. Good friend of mine. Whoever wins, you lose. The election game is. Uh, is um, no, it's the wrong one. I'm sorry. Um, where is it? Was- Here it is. Washington is driving the world to the final war. World hegemony is not a right America has earned. This is all about the overthrow of the democratically elected government of Viktor Yanukovych by the United States and that Victoria Newland passing out cookies along with, with uh, uh, the guy. Um, Jeffrey Pyatt. Yeah, well, Jeffrey Pyatt, she's caught on the phone with Pyatt, who was the ambassador, the UN ambassador, saying, fuck the EU, we're going to put Yatsin. This guy Yatsin, this little shithead, after the overthrow <laughs> the government. Um, now, uh, Cheney. Oh. Uh-huh. Yep. <clears throat> Not Cheney. Um, who's the guy? Uh, anyway. She's passing out, but this is what Paul Craig Roberts wrote. Washington concluded that Russia needed to be confronted or distracted. Problems that would leave the Russian government less confident 
or able to counter Washington's aggressive aggressions elsewhere. Ukraine presented the perfect opportunity for Washington to advance its hegemonic agenda. In a speech of the National Press Club in last December, meaning 2013, Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Newland boasted that Washington had invested $5 billion in non-governmental organizations in Ukraine for the purpose to teach democracy. Mm, yes, indeed. The natural precursor to war, <laughs> democracy. Uh, well, and, and you know, the latest news is that there's been some drone strikes um, that have taken out what appears to be nuclear, or maybe not taken out, but damaged the aircraft that would deploy uh, nuclear weaponry from Russia. And recent reports are that it actually came from Russian soil, which I would imagine if that's occurring, uh, our CIA is not far behind in, in that operation. Um, do you have any insight into to what the hell they're doing? Because it seems as if we're playing with nuclear fire. And I, for the life of me, I can't see why. Well, Putin's uh, said it, basically, that if it becomes the threat of the threats, well, they're going to be taken out, they're going to go nuke. And right. people don't, you know, again, World War II is not ancient history. You know, I, I, I just turned 76. I'm, I'm born right, I'm born in 46, right after the war. Mm. You know, this, this, isn't, this isn't ancient history. I, I, you know, I own three of the most historic buildings in America, the 1750, 1763, the 1774 Academy on the only corners in America with pre-revolutionary war stone buildings. The reason I bought them was I came back from Berlin in 2012. We we're opening the magazine, the Trends Journal there. I, I should change the name of the Trends Journal. And I think I'm going to call it Trans Journal. And you could call me, and you could call me Geraldine now, you know. Anyway. The, um, I'd never been to Berlin before. I spent a lot of time in Paris and Berlin was grander than Paris before it was bombed out. In the 1930s, the Germans with the height of Western civilization, culturally, scientifically, philosophically, World War II. And they driving me around all, you know, it destroyed the place. I'm having a beer looking across the street after they're showing me East Berlin, everywhere I looked. I see beautiful, beautiful German buildings, you know, 1800s, and then all new construction mm -hmm. everywhere I looked. And I'm thinking to myself, why didn't the people stop this before everything was destroyed? Where were the people? You're losing. I'm a fighter. I used to teach close combat. You know, been at it for many, many years. Man. You know, somebody comes in with a gun, man, and says, get on, go down. I take it easy, man. Okay, all right. I'm not going to fight you, you know? Where were the people to say, stop, we're losing, before everything was destroyed? I was looking to leave the country because I'm disgusted with the politics. And I came back, and the 1750s Franz Rogan building was for sale. And I bought it right away. And I bought the other three because the seeds of democracy were sown in America at this location. Kingston was the first capital of New York State. They moved it to Albany after the British burnt it down. The constitution that was written for the United States, for, for, Clint, for Kingston, over 70% of it is United States constitution. And John Jay was the judge over here. I could throw a rock and hit the, 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 the courthouse where he was from here. What I'm saying is, 
We have to fight for our freedom and democracy that these little clown boys have stolen from us. Now they're talking about, they just passed, passed the national defense bill. It was like $858 billion. We're sending, I think it's 10 or $12 billion to Taiwan. Taiwan, you mean the richest country in Asia and one of the richest countries in the world, and we're sending our money? Oh, yeah, just like we sent it to Israel. Isn't Tel Aviv the most expensive city to live in the world? We have one of them, and we're sending them $3 billion of weapons every year? I don't want my money going there. I don't no. want to go to Italy. I don't want to go to Ireland. I don't want to go to anywhere. I want to keep it in America. I'm an American, and people forgot to be Americans, and they dishonor the founding fathers. We are in the crisis of our lifetime. You got these little clowns showing these. Did you see the little movies they're putting on in, in New York? If a nuclear bomb explodes. Oh, yeah. These are three steps to take. They're doing it in California, too. It's fucking incredible. I mean, yep. I, 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 uh, I mean, you're quite famous for saying stop, stop bitching and join the fight for freedom. I think that's that's where we're at, you know, and, yep. and it's it's fascinating to me that that more people don't feel um, compelled to get involved. It's it's so from my vantage point, it's so dire. And and obviously, if you, you know, whether it's World War Three or nuclear holocaust, like either way, we're playing with with the death of you know, tens, if not hundreds, if not billions of people. Um, I like, why are, why are people so asleep to this? They, it, they've always been, you know, when I was a little kid, you know, I, I, I got like in my early teens and I'd be repeating things I heard on TV and stuff. And my father, may I rest in peace, would say to me in, in Italian, Papagallo, parrot. Stop repeating what everybody else is saying and think for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then when I got older and started talking about different issues, he say, son, take it easy. People have little minds. It does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men, said Samuel Adams. Mm. When the American Revolution happened, was it less than 5% of the people were for it? At the height of it, less than 50%? We have to unite that irate, tireless minority. As we would say in the Bronx, a little fucking prick like Cuomo or, or, or Gavin Newsom or, or the shithead Blinken. If they came over to me and said, listen, Salenti, go outside and do this. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> Who the fuck you think you're talking to? And as we say in the Bronx... They wouldn't know whether to piss or shit. <laughs> and that's the reality. We're in the fight for our lives. World War III's begun. You look at the cover of our Trends Journal two days before Russia invaded. COVID war, Ukraine war, world war. Russia is now saying what we've been saying since this began. The United States and NATO are effectively at war with Russia. If I said to you, listen, man, send me a grenade and some guns. I want to blow this bastard's brains out next door. And you gave them to me. You're an accessory to the crime. America is at war. Our lives are dangling in front of us. You know, I launched Occupy Peace. I had big rally here. Uh, I had Judge Napolitano, Scott mm -hmm. Ritter, Gary Null, Phil Giraldi, the CIA guy, 
that went into the office of George W. Bush, another little daddy's boy, another little piece of shit. That's how stupid people are. They believe that little arrogant, stupid shithead about Saddam Hussein having weapons of mass destruction. Phil Giraldi was one of the speakers, former top CIA guy who goes into Bush's office with all the facts that there are no weapons of mass destruction. You know what happened? Bush told him to leave the office. And you know what Giraldi did? He quit. Those are the people I had up here for a peace and freedom rally on the most historic four corners in America, sent out over 10,000 press releases, got zero coverage. I didn't have Mo, Larry, and Curly or, or you know Tom, Dick, and Harry here. I had top people. Right. Nothing. One yeah. of my tenants called Rough Draft in the, in the 1774 Academy, when the second, when one of the first public schools in America, I, I redid the whole place. Beautiful. They closed down. They put up, they, they said all through the internet and everything, we're closing down because <laughs> there's a political rally and we don't want to be part of it. A political rally, you know what the rally was called? Peace and Freedom Rally. Right. No politicians. You're not allowed to talk about peace. No. All you're allowed to do is swallow the shit from a little boy blinking. Yep. There are more Ukrainian flags around here than American flags. You want to go support Ukraine? Put on your military drag. Go over there and fight. Take your wife, your kids, your partner, whoever. Send your money. Go there or shut your mouth. Don't tell me that you're stealing more of my money to go there, which they're going to do another $37 billion. It'll bring the number up to about $115 billion of our dough that has gone to the military industrial complex since this began in February 24th. Oh, and who's the guy playing our uh, secretary of defense, Lloyd Austin? Yeah. Hey, where did he come from? Oh, you mean the board of directors of Raytheon, the second largest defense contractor in America? Well, and and it seems as if you know Lloyd Austin is on the front lines of the wokeification of our military. It seems as if we are not just dedicated to beginning World War III, but in fact preparing ourselves to lose it. And I, yep. you know, even if even if you think that these people are just dumb or whatever, <laughs> you know, like it it still doesn't really um, it doesn't calculate to me that these people would be so crazy that they would want a war with a nuclear power and believe that that's winnable while simultaneously pushing mandates upon our military, which obviously has lost us many of our, our best soldiers. Like all of this behavior just seems as if it's, it's doomed to failure. And I can't come away with any other conclusion other than perhaps, you know, some outside force has taken over our government. Is that your read of things or am I crazy? They're mentally ill. Okay. That's fair too. That's it. They're out of their mind. Look, at a graduate school, I started working on political campaigns. Long story. Well, I didn't really, I didn't want to work at all, but when my mother passed away. I had to take care of my kid sisters. I was bartender at the time in the city. And um, so I moved back to Yonkers. We moved from the Bronx to Yonkers. And this guy's running for mayor. I said, let me see what this thing is about. Angelo Martinelli became the longest running mayor of Yonkers. That's a big city. It's about 200,000 people. And I got involved in a political campaign. Then I worked on the district attorneys, the senators. You know, they got really involved. They sent me up to Albany. They were grooming me. 
I became the assistant to the secretary of the New York State Senate at 26 years old. I designed and instructed a course called American Politics and Campaign Technology, How to Run Political Campaigns. I taught it at St. John's University. I quit the Senate. I had the top job after one year. Nobody could believe I quit. It was the worst job I ever had in my life, and I'm working since a little kid. Jesus. To watch grown men grovel to suck their way up to the top. That's mm. all it is. Yeah. And the bureaucrats are the dumbest people around that can't get a job in the real world that suck into the political system. I'm a young guy. Again, you ha we're hanging out in the back of the chamber. We hire a clown, some slob to open the door. Senator Frank Smith, you know, Senator Tom McNeil. Oh, what's the matter? He said, the guy can't open the door by himself. They look at me, you know. <laughs> Then my buddies, you know, I'm a young guy. You're talking about sports, girls, and cars, basically, you know. And a senator would come in. They'd follow him to his seat. These beautiful chairs, you know, gorgeous, you know, link down. They pull the chair back and help him sit down. And they come back. Everyone, boop, boop. They all, all my buddies leaving. Matter of fact, my friend Brian Donahue was, he rest in peace, his wife, uh, became lieutenant governor of the Pataki. They come back and I say to them, hey man, what's the matter? Cat can't sit down by himself. He needs some help. And they say, you know, Gerald, you have that kind of an attitude. You're not going to make it here. This isn't for me. And I wasn't <laughs> raised like this. What I'm saying, I'm telling you this because I've been on the other side. Right. I've been with presidents, prime ministers, and princes. I know the other side. The people that are running and ruining our lives are little pieces of scumbag shit. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> I, I have to agree. And I think that's what, what people lose track of is like there are there is a certain uh, character makeup that that allows you to work your way to the top of these shit heaps. And, and I think that people like you and I, we don't have that. I, you know, lack of character, really depravity that, that, um, you know, lack of, uh, I don't know, self-confidence, uh, any sort of morals, any sort of self-respect, you know, like I, I, I can't even work for most major corporations these days simply because it, they're so woke and I'm not going to go in there and fucking grovel and, and kneel and feel, feel terrible about my existence. And I, I feel like it more and more people that, that have our makeup, like this is why we're becoming an endangered species is that the vast majority of any any sort of employment endeavors, any sort of power structure endeavor uh, requires that you be basically a groveling, sniveling weasel of a human being. Is that uh, is that a fair assessment? <laughs> yeah. Again, and the I, I I by the way, I, then I became chief government affairs specialist for a, a section of the chemical company, and I was killing environmental legislation at the height of the environmental movement in the 1970s. At 28 years old, I was staying at the Willard Hotel and putting my meetings on the Hay Adams. I picked up Ronald Reagan. I have a photo of me and him, 30 years old, uh, at the Chicago Hilton and taking him to McCormick Place and put on a brunch. We have a trade show with 16 of our board of directors. I, again, I was on the other side. I wouldn't know what I know if I wasn't there. So what you're what I'm what you're saying is the uh, what is basically is that the entire system is corrupt. 
And all they're interested in is the bottom two bottom lines, self-preservation to get to the highest they can and do anything they can to get there and to make money. End of story. And we have this country is no longer when I was a young guy, they had grocery stores, hardware stores, drug stores, stationary stores. Now we have chains, stationary chains, drug chains, hardware chains, grocery chains. Again, we've been chained. We're all, the bigs have taken over mm-hmm. everything. They've done away with the Robinson Patman Act, Sherman Antitrust Act, Clayton Antitrust Act, uh, the, the, the banking system, the uh, Glass-Steagall Act, and that arrogant little bastard, that little peanut dick, uh, Jimmy Carter. That's the fuck that really started it going big time. People don't know this. He did away with the usury laws. He allowed interstate banking. Banks weren't allowed to go in, interstate. They were only intrastate. Bank of America was out in California. One well, after another. Wow. Oh, yeah. He deregulated the airline industry. When I was a young guy, again, you know, I, I got to the top of the corporate world pretty quick. I, I quit at 32. That's when I began the Trends Research Institute, when I, I started growing up. But anyway, there were about 150 airlines. And they were government regulated because it was transportation. And you had to charge certain prices and certain ranges they competed on service. And now what do you have? Four companies that own the whole the whole show. And look how shitty it is now to fly. I hate it. I hate it. I I I, I, I used to do gigs all over the world. Sure. I, I, I stopped doing them. I cannot stand to fly anymore. It's a miserable I won't experience. Go the electronic thing and get to, so I got felt up by some little shithead. Now I'm gonna touch your dick and I'm gonna stick my <laughs> finger up your ass. You know? you know? Make sure you don't have a it's a free prostate exam. Come on, Gerald. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a quick question here from a, a viewer. Uh, Nug says, Gerald, I just listened to your Tom Woods episode. Great stuff. Clint, what the hell is going on with the Jimmy Dore, Dave Smith episode? I, I don't know what you mean by that question. I'm sorry. Um, I don't uh, we, we had a, uh, a sit down between the four of us a couple days ago. It's still up so you can go watch it. Nugs. Um, Anyways, I, I I did want to ask you about the uh, what what is what is the catalyst going to be to get people to to kind of have our worldview? Is it is it just human suffering? We just have to wait for everything to fucking no fall no. Apart? If we if we wait, it's finished. I, I agree. It's finished. You got to do it now. Yeah. You know what I what I tell people? You have to be in number one. You have to get in the best shape you can, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And that's number one. You think I want to work out every day? <laughs> I just brought my sister up from a nursing home. And uh, I want to give her a happy ending. And I say to myself, I don't want to become an inmate in a nursing home. Mm. You know, she was about two hours away from here, so I couldn't go see her that much. And I'd go into the nursing home. And this is what it looks like when you go in, the people sitting watching television. They're dead. And... So what I'm saying is everybody has to get in the best shape you can. 42% of Americans are obese. 62% of the Americans eat ultra-processed food, ultra-crap. Number two, you know, be the best you can at what you're doing and keep learning. You have to keep learning. You know, again, my father, when I, we'd be eating dinner and I'm about 18 years old, and he goes, looks at me, he says, you know, son, they say that youth is wasted on the young. He'd take a couple of more bites and he said, they were talking about you. 
<laughs> you don't know anything when you're a kid and you got to keep learning. So what I'm saying is people need to get in the best shape they can keep learning and we have to unite under a new banner. We need a third party. The ticket that I would like to see, the only one that, and again, I'm open to anything, is RFK Jr. and Judge Napolitano. I'm with it. I, I love both those guys. I have uh, Judge Napolitano, for those that are watching right now, I have him on in a couple hours. Uh, we do a weekly segment together, and he's, he's you know, basically the only uh, defender of the Constitution left that has a shot at uh, getting some political control. Um so, I mean, aside from inspiring people to actually wake up and realize what we're up against and, and get them going, uh, I think that there's a lot there's a lot of just lack of belief that it's possible. Ah. And you, know, I know. you don't even bother with them. Okay. You don't okay. even bother. I don't I don't get in discussions with people that I with that don't, that don't know. I, I don't I don't want to waste my energy. Right. Again, you know, I'm 76. And by the way, I'm fighting for the spirit of 1776. Hey, that's perfect. what I came up with. You don't waste your time with that. And again, we need it. We need to win the 2024 elections. We need a new third party. And the other thing for people to do, do something positive every day. Do something positive every day to help those who can't help themselves. Give to those who are trying to do the best that we can as we do with the Trends Journal and my Occupy Peace movement. Do anything you can, anywhere you want. Do something positive for the better good. Yep. Every day, every day, every day. It does, and don't waste your time trying to convince the morons, you know, of, of what's going on. It's a waste of energy. There are enough of us. As I said, you call these guys out man to man, they wouldn't know whether to piss a shit. Can you imagine Obama in a fight? <laughs> Can you imagine him in a fight? No. Folks, uh, please. He's always folking us. Folks, folks, <laughs> folks, folks. Can you imagine little Georgie Bush in a fight? In a bar fight, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he'd be on his back before he could blink his eyes. <laughs> Oh my God. I absolutely love your passion. Um, you know, my, I was raised by, uh, my stepdad, Charlie, he's, a, a New Yorker Italian and, and the fire that you bring, I feel like it was embedded in me as a, as a young person. Cause my, my stepdad brought that same anger. Do you have, uh, like road rage incidents? Cause he was, he was famous for those. He would just flip the fuck out on the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the shit that I pulled in my life, are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> Christ. Oh. You're like, don't get Just me started. Clear, you know. <laughs> but as well, I say, I've never raised my hand to a woman unless they wanted to be spanked. Take it easy. Charlie's going to love that one. He says, he says <laughs> stuff like that all the time, too. Um, well, no, I, you by know, the way, the only men that hit women are cowards. Of course. Men that can't fight. Those right. are the only men that hit women. Real yeah. men don't do that stuff. No, it's the 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 most dangerous men on earth are the ones that are are not dangerous to other men because then they they take it out on women. Yeah. Uh, that, that I, I really believe that. Um well, let's let's get you out of here on this. Uh what what percentage of the population do you think is is 
privy to what we're experiencing because you know early days of, of lockdown i i'd consider myself naive in hindsight but i really thought that people would have risen up very rapidly had they been told hey we're going to shut down all your fucking businesses for many many months or many years and it didn't happen um i think that more people are awake today at least i like to like to believe so you said we only need five percent of the you know piss and vinegar lunatics like us out there do you think we're nearing five percent ten percent that are actually privy to what we're talking about well first of all we're not lunatics we're we're, okay. we're dedicated americans we're, we're the only sane people actually <laughs> we're yeah yeah we're patriots right and again i write a magazine i only put in facts in it and then we give our analysis so we're mm. not bullshitting you like these other ones do it, I, I believe that probably at least 30% of the people, if not more, are fed up with the whole system, know how corrupt it is, and want a new direction. And the other ones will follow. You know, you're going to get the, the people, look, so many people are into the, into the political system that, uh, you know, they're going to they're keep supporting it. You're the bureaucrats, you know, and they, that, that have these jobs, so they're going to keep voting for their parties. But no, you, you, we, I believe a good 30% of the people, they've had enough of this shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if if we're at 30%, then all, all hope is not lost. And I, I hope I people, know. We know. I'm telling you, we could win. Again, yeah. my, I began my career in the political system. I, I taught the first course on how to run political campaigns at St. John's University. I'm not wow. a rookie at this stuff. And so I, I, I know, look, our magazine, the Trends Journal, you go back to May of 2016, we forecast Trump a winner when everybody said he was going to lose. People don't like either of the parties. They're into them because that's all they have. You want Coke or Pepsi. Right. Shit or shit. And there's no such thing as a lesser of two evils. Grow up. That's like saying almost pregnant. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think that it, there is a lot lot more people awake and, and it gives me uh, a sense that, you know, what I, what I always think about is like, just, just imagine for a second that like the top spokesperson for the White House, Corrine Jean-Pierre, <laughs> Couldn't, I mean, she couldn't fucking, she couldn't be a janitor in like the 1960s. She's so, she's so stupid. And yet this is the person that they've uplifted to represent their top propaganda, you know, talking head. Like, how are we going to lose to these people? I just don't fucking understand it. Like, why are, why are people so hopeless when you see people like this that are, that are at the highest levels of power? It's like, well, well then we're going to win. How are exactly. we not? Exactly. Yeah. Again, the people that feel hopeless, you forget about them. Because they're not, they're not taking care of their lives. They're not going to where they need to go. They're hopeless. Right. You forget about it. Again, you mentioned that woman. I mean, you, a cart she's like a, it's like a cartoon character when you look at that. <laughs> I'm, I, mean, I can't believe it. I, 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 the Mad I, Magazine is still alive. You know, it's... Yeah, no, it's it's really it's crazy, and they're the, I mean the lies are so transparent, and they're not even good at it anymore. I mean, at least it, it when I was younger, it used to feel like at least at least there was some doubt as to like maybe they're telling the truth, and now I'm just like, oh, every fucking word's a lie. Incredible. Um, anyways, Gerald, thank you so much for your time, brother. If anybody has not signed up yet, 
Trends Journal is the place to be. Anything else you'd like to leave my audience with? Oh, yeah. Do whatever you can, as I said. You know, get in the best shape you can and do something positive every day for the betterment of everybody. And again, um, oh, by the way, you know, Judge Napolitano and I are very good friends. We, we, I do a podcast with him each week. Yep. And I just had dinner with him last week. We try to get together every now and then. Love it. And um, they, they, to me, they are, he's the top of the top. Again, everybody support first, again, get in the best shape you can and do what you can to fight for freedom. And thank yep. you very much for what you do and for the man that you are. Well, thank you, brother. You you bring the the fire. I, I watch you regularly, and it's been an absolute honor to get to have you on my show. I've been watching you for years, and um, you know the passion you bring, uh, the profanity laced tirades. Uh, they they the inspire. language. It's not profanity. They teach it. They say it's profanity when they when you go to kindergarten. That's, it's, that's proper language. When somebody's going to attack you, you say, "Oh please, oh please, don't hit me." Right. Oh, oh please, oh King George, please, oh don't keep stealing everything from us. We'll be good. We'll be good. Exactly. What are you kidding? It's proper language. They talk right. call it profanity because they're not men and they're not women. It's adult go. language in the proper situation. That's right. That's why we tell these motherfuckers to back off. You got Gerald it. Sol <laughs> Gerald Salenti, thank oh, you yeah, so much. Yeah, I see you're being, you're being disrespectful. If you say motherfucker, you have to say fatherfucker too. <laughs> got to be equitable. Got to be equal, man. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com and make sure you go over to trendsjournal.com and pick up his Trends Journal because it's the best shit out there. Thank you, Gerald. Do not go anywhere. We got Judge Andrew Napolitano coming up. Before I do that, I want to thank our other sponsor. The founders have been on the show. Movies Plus, baby. They're going to take Hollywood back from focusing on the woke to focusing on good storytelling. Can you imagine? Let's stop having the woke get jammed down our throat. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> Genuinely, I hate it. Uh, they are freedom of speech maximalists, and they have incredible documentaries as well as original programming over on mymoviesplus.com or you can search for movies plus on your favorite app store make sure you do that with code liberty and get five dollars off an annual subscription it's all commercial free only costs 5.99 a month super super affordable and really high quality content could not believe the smoothness with which the app was functioning already given that it's a new company i was blown away it is a great product and great content do not miss it uncensored stuff real stuff Stuff that you're not allowed to talk about. Just like the stuff you hear on Liberty Lockdown. If you want to support my work, make sure you support these guys too. Go to mymoviesplus.com, promo code LIBERTY. Welcome everybody to another live stream edition of Liberty Lockdown. Today I am joined once again by the judge. Judge Andrew Napolitano. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, sir. Oh, it's a pleasure, Clint. I love that intro music, Liberty. Where did it come from? Where did it go? Those That's are the right. questions of the age. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote it. That's me rapping, actually, if you can believe it. Wow, so. I didn't know you could rap. That's terrific. Yeah, I mean, a I'm more a, more a Beethoven guy. The other day in the gym, I went to the guy running the gym, and I said, this music is driving me crazy. He said, Judge, what do you want? I said, Beethoven. He goes, <laughs> drive everybody else out of here. <laughs> Pro probably now I know sorry. I can suggest your rapping. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Put it on. It uh, gets you good pumping. All right, so I wanted to start with um, 
the the Twitter disclosures because I, I feel like you'd be a perfect person to talk to. So let, let me pull this up. Uh, my buddy Anomaly tweeted out a screenshot of a conversation between Ian uh, Miles Chiang and Elon Musk. Ian, Ian asks, so here's a question for Elon Musk and Barry Weiss. Were any political candidates either in the U.S. or elsewhere subject to shadow banning while they were running for office or seeking re-election? We don't have any details yet. However, Elon did respond, yes. That seems to me to be a big deal, is it? Well, it's a big deal morally. It's not a big deal legally, unless this was done at the behest of the government, either rogue agents in the government or official but secret policy of the government. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I know what it's like to be shadow banned. I mean, the other day I was, I'll give you a little example. I was kicked off of TikTok because I argued that in the Stuart Rhodes prosecution, the uh, head of uh, Proud Boys uh, convicted of uh, sedition. Sedition is a conspiracy to overthrow the government of the United States, he and four others. I argued that where the conspiracy, the alleged conspiracy is impossible to perform. How could five people overthrow the government of the United States? Right. That the government should not prosecute for it and it shouldn't be a crime. Only conspiracies which, if they succeed, should be in the category of candidates for prosecution. TikTok kicked me off, said you're encouraging violence. So that's absurd. I wasn't encouraging violence. Not only is that a valid legal argument, it's the same argument his lawyers made to a federal judge in a public uh, courtroom. So right. it can be very, very frustrating getting kicked off or shadow banned, whatever you uh, want to call it. Uh, but as long as it is done by the owner of the bulletin board and not in behalf of government agents, rogue or real, there's no constitutional issue, there's no legal uh, issue. I mean, what do you expect from Jack Dorsey and his colleagues? What do you expect from the people running Fox or the people running CNN? They all have biases, and those biases will be manifested in everything from facial expressions to choice of words to choice of uh, guests to the way guests are treated to the things that are said about guests. We are talking about the freedom of speech. Now, if speech purports to be private, but it really is the government speaking. So if Twitter, <clears throat> pardon me, if Twitter the old Twitter, the Jack Dorsey Twitter, uh, was doing the bidding of the Department of Homeland Security or the FBI, whether FBI management or uh, rogue agents, then we have a very serious issue called state action, where there's a relationship, a symbiotic relationship. I think you and I have talked about it because right. I did this thing with my hand. So one hand is the FBI and the other hand is Twitter. There's a symbiotic relationship between them. They each benefit uh, the other. Then a federal court, or a state court for that matter, can impose on Twitter the same First Amendment restraints that already exist on the FBI. The FBI can't target you, pursue you, punish you, harm you, theoretically, lay a hand on a hair on your head because of the content of your speech. Uh, if it's in bed with Twitter, then neither can Twitter, to, uh, to shorten this uh, explanation. So far, I haven't seen that, but who knows? Um, James well, Baker, 
Yeah, that, that's uh, actually where I wanted to go with this next. So let me go, 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 right, go right ahead. He, he, he's a fascinating character legally. He's a nefarious character morally, but a fascinating character legally. But I'll let you set this up. Yeah. Oh, this I actually pulled the wrong one. So let me do a different one. Uh, one second. Share screen. Come on. Get it together, Clint. Um, so we have evidence that the former FBI general counsel, as you said, uh, Jim Baker, he was the general counsel or the top attorney for Twitter. Uh, it's clear that he was no longer, I mean, it's clear on paper that he was no longer working for the FBI and that he was, in fact, an employee of Twitter. However, when you have this revolving door, I don't know how we differentiate between the two in a meaningful fashion. I mean, to, to believe that these former FBI employees that go on and they work for CNN and then they convey talking points that the that the uh, you know State Department would like to hear, things like that, it's just so incestuous and, and ultimately it seems like a very blatant intentional workaround from you know first amendment rights and things of that nature am i misreading it well, well that's that's why you have trials that's why these people would have to be put under oath in litigation and there is such litigation going on as you uh, know because you and i have talked about this but to refresh the recollection of your viewers uh in new orleans in federal court 16 uh state attorneys general have sued big tech uh, alleging this symbiotic relationship uh, with DHS, and they have uncovered uh, in discovery emails from DHS uh, and Big Tech indicating a very, very cozy relationship. So now they have to depose the authors and the recipients of those emails to find out if there was the symbiotic relationship. Again, if Jack you know, Dorsey himself did this, but if the, if the Jack Dorsey Twitter team was manifesting its left-wing views through uh, the levers of power they had at Twitter and claiming that they weren't, that's a moral issue. That's not a legal issue. But if they were doing favors for the government and getting favors back, it's got to be a symbiotic relationship. Okay. Meaning each side benefits from this. What favors could the FBI or DHS confer on them. Well, we won't investigate you for this, or we won't investigate you for that, or we'll overlook this, or here's what we found out about Fox, and we'll pass it on to you. You know, it's got to be some sort of a, a mutual benefit for both of them in order for the courts to impose the state action doctrine, which imposes the, imposes the First Amendment restraints on the private actor here, uh, big tech. How would you prove that? By putting these people under oath, uh, and interrogating my gather it's going to happen soon i mean i haven't seen these emails i just read summaries of them if the summaries were true uh some of these state attorneys general are, and their their legal teams are going to have a field day okay do you think now, that the there are thing is interesting because you know was he acting as if he was still the general counsel to the fbi and are his connections in the FBI as broad and deep after he left as they were when he was there? Was he doing what FBI agents wanted to do? Was he passing secret information that the FBI, which is now a domestic uh, spy uh, outfit, we all know that, was he passing information about Twitter's enemies on to Twitter? I mean, there's a lot of what ifs, what ifs, what ifs uh, that would have to come out in discovery or at trial 
uh, before one could blanketly say, well, this guy's the former uh, general counsel of the FBI. Uh, therefore, what he was doing was in behalf of his former colleagues. Therefore, Twitter was in bed with them. Therefore, firing him was correct. Those last three or four leaps can't be taken without some hard factual uh, evidence. Okay, fair enough. I, it's uh, it's just so challenging because you know we have so many different layers of our of our government and now big tech that are working to suppress free speech. Uh, you know whether or not on the constitutional level, setting that aside, it's just like they're trying to dictate what we're allowed to talk about, the Overton window of allowable conversation, and if you have these kind of relationships where it's former government employees that would have been forbidden from doing such things, but then they move on and they work in big tech and they do exactly what the government wants. Is that, I mean, if say Jim Baker is the one that's actually orchestrating this stuff, but he's not doing it in writing, you know, you don't have any, any documentation to prove it out. It seems as if we're, we're screwed. Am I? <laughs> well, let, let, let me put it a different way. It's a difficult case to prove. Right. And it's a doctrine the courts don't like to employ because it basically, what does it do? It restrains the speech of the private actor. Right, right. And so courts are loath to restrain somebody's speech. It's only when they've engaged uh, in this kind of subterfuge, and it couldn't be a one-off. It would have to be a regular, consistent, systematic relationship in which, from which each side benefited uh, before the courts uh, will, will get involved and impose the First Amendment um, restrictions on Twitter. I mean, the bitter irony here is if this happened, it happened under the Jack Dorsey Twitter, but if there's going to be a remedy, the remedy's going to be under the Elon Musk Twitter, because there is no Jack Dorsey Twitter anymore. This is, this is not litigation for money. This is litigation for injunctive relief, preventing this from happening going forward. Now, the other big techs are still owned by the same people. Um, it appears that Twitter was the greatest violator because of what the current ownership of Twitter is releasing. For all we know, this type of material also exists for the other big techs, but it just hasn't come out yet. Yeah, well, I, I would argue that Twitter was probably the least <laughs> censorious and in bed with the government that just gut instinct. Um, I did want to get into a little bit of conversation about the latest on Russia and Ukraine, obviously on judging freedom. You have incredible guests that give you the latest and greatest. I know that uh, Douglas McGregor was talking about how he expected it to be, you know, early December that when the ground froze, that would be when the war came to its inevitable conclusion or, or shortly thereafter. What is the latest that you've been uh, hearing from your people as to what's going on? What's the expectation moving forward? All right. So I have three people uh, that I interview. Uh, Colonel McGregor, uh, West Point graduate, career uh, military, uh, who believes that the purpose of the military is to avoid war, is to be a last resort when the nation and its liberty and its property are threatened. Can we pull him out of retirement, of please? We need him. <laughs> we need him back in power. He tells me a lot of military actually agree with him. And I have a young friend uh, from West Point who's actually my financial advisor who, who's of the same view and believes that a lot of his colleagues are of the same view. Anyway, Doug, Colonel uh, McGregor uh, provides us with great um, uh, insight into the war. He's of the view 
that by uh, December, the Ukrainians will have their backs to the wall. Scott Ritter, uh, who's former military intelligence, former uh, Marine infantry, former UN uh, weapons inspector, has the very same views about the role of the military in our lives and the same observations about uh, Ukraine. He believes it'll be a little longer. He, he believes it'll be uh, spring uh, before uh, Putin finally triumphs. The third person I put on, I'm smiling because my audience loves to hate him, <laughs> is Jack Devine. Now, Jack, who's been a friend of mine for a long time, but Jack, uh, <laughs> Jack and I were friends before I knew what he did for a living. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Jack has 45 years career CIA. Jack was the head of espionage in the United, Russian espionage in the United States and in Russia. So at one point, his job was to conduct all the American espionage against Russia. At one point, his job was to find all the Russian espionage in the U.S. against the U.S. Hmm. And Jack, of course, is a company guy. Jack's of the view that the Ukrainians are fighting for their homeland and the Russians are fighting a war they don't want to be involved in. They don't understand. They've been lied about. And the inferior uh, Ukrainian forces will defeat the superior, militarily superior, not morally superior in Jack's view, sure. superior uh, Russian forces. Now, I put Jack on, A, because my people love to hate him, and B, because it's fun uh, to hear the other side. Of course. Uh, yesterday, I ran clips of Jack and let Colonel McGregor comment, and by the time we got to the last clip, he wasn't laughing anymore, but he did comment, and he did respond to everything Jack, uh, Jack said. My own view is uh, precisely in line with Colonel McGregor and Major uh, Ritter, and that is, we don't belong there. It's not our battle. It doesn't threaten our national security. We are wasting billions of dollars. We are causing uh, destruction of lives. Uh, destruction of property. These borders have been in dispute since before America was a country. And we ought to get the hell out. Get the hell out. We have 40,000 troops, including the, the vaunted 101st Airborne, in Poland at the Polish border, backed up by 50,000 Polish troops waiting for Joe Biden to say go. Joe Biden doesn't have the authority to say go. Right. Only Congress can declare war. I mean, these guys have put us within inches of World War III. Uh, you spoke about our mutual friend, uh, the great, well, it was all fair we spoke, uh, the great Gerald Salenti. Gerald's of the view that we actually have started World War III, that uh, Americans are on the ground and being shot at and probably shooting back, and we don't know about it. I sure hope not. Um, well, uh, the reason I'm asking is because the, uh, you know, the recent news is that there was some, I guess, aircraft that were capable, nuclear capable aircraft or nuclear delivery capable that were uh, struck by drones. And uh, during your discussion with uh, Mr. McGregor, you were talking about how recent reports, I think this was on your show, that there was recent reports that perhaps those drones had taken off from inside of Russia. Is, yes. was that, yeah. Is that, has that been confirmed at this point? Do you know? That, you know, that has not yet been confirmed. We know that the drones were uh, strong enough and carried enough. Um, I don't know if they carry fuel if they're, or if they're fueled by the Internet these days. Who knows? But right. they could have 
taken off from inside Ukraine. McGregor thinks it's more likely than not that they took off from inside Russia. Well, that means and there's more than just a few Ukrainian soldiers inside Russia. There's a lot, and there is very sophisticated equipment. I mean, the drone we're talking about uh, destroyed a Russian fuel depot 150 miles from Moscow. Well, that would be like, you know, destroying a fuel depot around Atlantic City. Right. Which is 150 miles from Washington, D.C. and 150 miles from New York City, just, just to give you a perspective. Uh, and both uh, Colonel McGregor and uh, Scott Ritter have commented on Putin's restraint. I mean, you imagine what Biden would have done if, if the Russians had attacked Atlantic City. I'm just using it as an example because it's about the same distance from those two uh, cities. Putin has been very uh, restrained. Um, the other issue that I raised with them is uh, American intel on the ground in Ukraine not only spies on the Russians, it spies on our allies, the Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. So American intel must have known about that drone. Did they report it up the food chain? Did Joe Biden or Secretary Blinken, Secretary of State, or Secretary of Defense Austin know in advance that that drone was going to be fired from wherever it was fired so that it would explode inside Russia and destroy Russian assets. Did they know about it? Did they sign off on it? Did they look the other way? Or did American Intel decide not to report this to their bosses at Langley? These yeah. are very profound questions. These are how wars start when people don't do the right thing. Yeah, well, or did they order it? I mean, uh, we don't know really anything. It's, it's very concerning because obviously an attack uh, inside of Russia, that close to Moscow, it would be considered highly provocative, of course. And if it were to come yes. out, you know, even if even if America wasn't privy, but you know, there has been reports that some of our guidance systems, our satellites, are being used uh, for the the artillery fire of of the Ukrainians in response to the Russians. If that's the case, I mean, we're so close to being a true enemy combatant in this situation and not yeah. to mention the fact that we're funding and arming them. I mean, you could make the argument where we're clearly an enemy combatant in this. And I, and I, it's my personal belief that if it weren't for the cool headedness of Putin, we would already be in world war three is well, you, you are, you, you, you are mouthing uh, the very wise words of my, of my two uh, guests on, on this, mm. Scott Ritter and uh, Colonel McGregor. Putin has been remarkably, remarkably restrained, more restrained than the United States, because we are spending more to arm these people than Putin is spending uh, to take back the land that's been in dispute all these years. By the way, um, the president of Ghana revealed the other day that some of the American military equipment we gave to Ukraine has been captured by his people in Ghana from the hands of uh, terrorists trying to take over his country. How the hell did that get there? Hmm. Well, Congressman Massey in the House, great, great man, Senator um, Paul in the Senate, a great man, both offered the same uh, legislation. They offer it every time uh, the Biden administration wants more money for Ukraine, and that is that we send inspectors uh, there or somehow monitor where the money and where the equipment goes. 
those uh, uh, pieces of uh, those offerings don't even get a vote on the floor of the Senate or the House. So we don't know where it goes. I'm not surprised that ended up in Africa. Yeah. Well, at this point, I'm I'm not surprised about anything. Uh, to get us out of here, I did want to just briefly get your opinion on the Victor Bout exchange. That he's the the Merchant of Death, the guy who um, was exchanged for Brittany Griner, the WNBA player, just yesterday, and we left behind some uh, a Marine. I think there may be more than one. Uh, that has been in prison much longer than Miss Griner. And while I'm certainly in support of getting uh, Miss Griner out, I think that's obviously a good thing. I do think it's fascinating that, um, according to Jack Posobiec, uh, Victor Bout was, he received $60 million of taxpayer funds during Iraq War uh, II, where he was running resupply uh, shipments for the American military. Were you aware of this? And and is this is this standard procedure that we have? You know, weapons contractors that are that are working both sides of of wars. I think that Victor Bat was an American intelligence asset uh, who was seems making like a it. fortune. Yeah. Pardon me. It's, it sure seems a like. Fortune, it. and then he he uh, he bucked his bosses. They set a set up a sting, an absurd absurd sting, uh, in Indonesia. Mm. where he sold some stuff to somebody uh, who said, you know, we, we might use this for killing Americans. And he, he made a bland comment like, well, we all have enemies. <laughs> and, and, and for that, for that, he was convicted of a plot to kill Americans and sentenced to uh, life in prison in Marion, Illinois, wow. which is the second most secure uh, facility uh, that the federal uh, government has. I mean, this is really... Uh, absurd. This guy was paid American tax dollars uh, to supply the equipment they wanted. He probably kept a little bit more of it than his CIA masters wanted him to, and that's why uh, they set up the sting. He didn't belong in jail any more than Griner belonged in jail. I wish Paul Whelan were freed. I wish every American that's kept illegally in Russia and in the United States were, were freed. But uh, I, do, I don't blame Joe Biden. I think his hand was forced here. There was so much public pressure. And the Russians basically said, you know, if, if you want her, here's the only way uh, she comes out. She was easy pickings for the Russians. They have been waiting for somebody like her that they could use as a pawn. The woman is totally innocent in all this and was just used by both sides. But Biden and Blinken really had no choice but to uh, accept this offer. Combined with the demonization uh, of Victor Bout, it's absurd. Yeah, I think that the only thing it does show me, though, is that perhaps the the U.S. is not. I mean, if if you believe the mainstream narrative that Russia is on its back foot and Ukraine is on the charge, well, then why is R Russia seemingly negotiating such a strong deal? You know, they're getting a, a weapons dealer out and we're getting a WNBA player like it seems as if they have the leverage in that negotiation yeah well look his his knowledge is a little dated I think he's been in jail probably for eight or nine years now yeah but he knows a lot uh to share with them an American intelligence asset involved in the uh, in the arms industry during the uh, Iraq war where they love to debrief him of course Andy's friend Andy's friends uh with President Putin you know, I said that the other day, one of my dearest friends said, I don't think Putin has any Russian friends. I mean, this, I believe, is a profound misimpression perpetrated by the globalists in the State Department uh, and the American uh, press. Mm -hmm. Putin can be a butcher, but he's their butcher. 
He is as popular in Russia right now as he's ever been. All right, there are moms that don't like him whose kids disappeared because they got killed in, in, in this war and their bodies were never, uh, never found. There are always people that don't like the government. Putin is very popular at this point and has a lot of friends and a lot of people that are happy to call themselves his friends. Yeah, no, I think I think that's totally true. I've I've heard that his poll numbers are as strong as they've ever been. Uh, so I, I don't really buy that this guy's the the odd man out in Russia. Um, anyways, a, anybody else wants to uh, check out Judge Napolitano's work, please go over to Judging Freedom on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, the interviews that he does multiple times per week are must see. Uh, and I, I never miss a single one. So I, I'm grateful that I get to have this time with you to, to dive a little deeper. Thank you as always, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Oh, I, I, love, I love all the time that we can spend together, Clint. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, my friend. You're the man. See you soon. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I wanted to thank you guys for leaving the five-star reviews. We are now north of 500 on Apple Podcasts alone. Mind-blowing. We got Rarely Medium Medium says, first ever, or first review ever, just finished listening to your ANCAP versus Prague debate and felt moved to write. By the way, if you guys haven't listened to that episode, do it. It's hilarious. Uh, he says, found you through POTP and been listening regularly for the last several months. Really dig the intro rap and find your delivery ideal. Thank you, man. Uh, grew up looking at no nukes posters and stories about helping people. I still like the idea of helping people, but it only matters if it's done voluntarily. Correct. The current Dem party is bonkers. And while the Republicans might have a better story today, they're no better on a lot of key issues. True. I think their overall vibe from Connor just felt like someone reverse engineering something to make it fit. While you came from a clear and consistent perspective, he sounded like a useful idiot while you were always drawing back to the last reference point and clarifying the position. He lacked discipline and did a disservice to his ideas, which is great because his ideas are retarded. Love your show and thank you for your work. I could not agree more. That That is my assessment of that debate as well. If you want to call it a debate, I more viewed it as a educational seminar for someone missing a chromosome. Corey Too Cool says, please debate more lefties. <laughs> People really like this episode. Not surprising. Uh, he says, very entertaining. How did Connor not get elected in Kentucky with his stance in majority rights? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Kentucky hilarious episode. School teachers do not work very hard. End quote. A moat with an alligator does sound awesome, LOL. And you can tell he really tried to prepare for the debate beforehand. Yeesh. Yeah, not so hot. Um, yeah, I mean, look. I actually had some people that were uh, fans of mine that are school teachers that, that listened to that episode and sent me some angry DMs. I'm not saying that there aren't good school teachers. Obviously, there are. I would be, it would be absurd to believe otherwise. And I'm certain that there are some school teachers that work very hard. It's just laughable to say that on on the average that a school teacher works harder than fucking Elon Musk. I, I mean, just let's just be real, okay? Elon Musk like lives and breathes his corporations. He's a total workaholic. That's not to diminish the better school teachers out there. Okay, relax. I love you guys. If you're a great school teacher and you're teaching, you know, freedom-oriented stuff to these poor children that are being indoctrinated by everybody else in their lives, God bless you. We need more people like you. Coot705 says, Nick Freitas, just listened to this episode. Fantastic interview. One of the best I've listened to. Thank you. Well, thank you. I, I do not know why that episode hasn't gotten more views. It's one of the least viewed episodes I've ever done. And the last 10 minutes of it in particular are so good. Like I literally cried and no one, no one's watching it on YouTube. I don't know if it got like algo censored or something. Very weird. Last one, five stars. Ken Stoltzwiss says reality is Clint Russell's friend. I'm not sure what that means, but I'll, I'll agree. I'll nod along. 
As always, if you want to help with the algos, you can go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. If you're on Spotify, leave a five-star review. And if you want to support my work, libertylockdown.locals.com. And other than that, just share this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Share it around. Send it to your freaking grandma. Say, this guy's got a deep voice. You'll like it, grandma. She'll be like, I don't really want to listen to this guy. He sounds like a radical. Be like, that's just the vaccine talking, grandma. <laughs> I love doing this. I absolutely love it. I hope you guys are, in, are enjoying it as much as I am. Let's keep it going. All 10,000 of you. All 10,000 of you, you go out and you share it with one person. Boom, we got 20,000. Then then you double it from there, 40,000. Then you double it from there, and Dave Smith becomes president. That's how it works. I don't make the rules. Love you guys. See you soon. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?